said, woman, take it slow, it'll work itself out fine. All we need is just a little patience. Welcome to episode 389 of Canada's Pinball Podcast. I'm your host, Canada. I hope all of you guys are having a great weekend and the weather is hopefully beautiful where you are at. In New York this weekend, it's been incredible. Had the demon out, had the type R out. I played a bunch of pinball this weekend. Sometimes you just turn your games on and you enjoy them. All of the issues and all the bickering and the moaning and groaning that we see on the online forums, it just dissipates and you can enjoy these games for what they are. And I have to say, I I still think Batman 66 is one of the greatest pinball games ever. They're just the different ways you can approach that game are so much fun. And I don't care what anybody says. This game lives and dies by the code and the theme integration that is happening throughout the game. Lyman Sheets is a genius. The way in which he incorporated all of the clips from the show seamlessly into the gameplay experience where it never feels like it's a stop and go game. You still feel like you have enough time to look up, enjoy a quick clip from the show, and you're in the action constantly on the play field. It's what I wish Willy Wonka would have been. All right, here's what we're going to do on this episode of Canada's Pinball Podcast. We're going to talk about a few topics that I've seen that I thought were interesting to discuss. Uh, We will, of course, talk a little bit again about the playfield chipping issue, which will not go away. I've got some some emails from people that I want to read that are, are, are trying to get to the bottom of this. I was speaking to Jeff at This Week in Pinball. He also is reaching out to pinball manufacturers and playfield manufacturers about this topic uh, to varying or I think very limiting degrees of success. And we'll talk about that. I also have a response from Robert Mueller over at Deep Root and his reaction to the playfield issue that is happening right now. Uh, We also have a new newsletter from Dutch Pinball, which is what they do best when they're not making games. They're making more promises via newsletters to people. And every time they do it, people believe it at face value. We'll talk about that. Uh, What else is going on? Well, let's start off by saying I, I just watched a video that I thought was amazing. And it actually, I think we need some more sort of good vibes. We need more good vibes in this community right now and in this hobby right now. There are definitely issues that are dragging a lot of people's enjoyment down. Uh, But if you go onto YouTube and watch Greg Bones' unboxing of his Jurassic Park pinball machine, it is probably one of the greatest 10 minutes of pinball enthusiasm captured on film and the way they did it was so hysterical so if you're down and out and you want to get your hopes and your spirits and your vibes back up in pinball I would go check out Greg Bones Jurassic Park unboxing on YouTube Uh, Zach over at flipping out delivered the game and it's just it's just an awesome video I don't want to spoil it but go check it out all right so I saw this thread before we get into the playfield issues and I want to discuss something I saw this very interesting thread where the topic was, why are new Stern LEs with such low plays going for so cheap? 
Okay, and I think it's a great question. I, I, if you've been following this hobby and you've been following the new and box sort of craze that's taken over pinball in the last few years, uh, the whole notion of a limited edition game, you know, they're the highest price versions of games. Uh, Stern Pinball right now is charging you $9,000 for their limited edition games. Uh, Jersey Jack Pinball. Uh, anywhere between nine and $12,500. Now, if you've noticed these LEs, they typically seem uh, to lose value pretty quickly right now. Uh, I'm seeing LEs in, in for going for $7,500 within the first six months of buying the game. So whether it's Black Knight or the Munsters, uh, what else has been recent? Iron Maiden, uh, Star Wars, uh, Ghostbusters, remember the Ghostbusters hype when that happened? And, and and so why do I think that Stern LEs with low plays are going for so cheap? Well, there's a few few reasons why. Uh, and it's not just Stern. Let me state that. I, I, I see so many uh, LEs over at Jersey Jack Pinball also sliding very quickly down from $9,000 to $7,500. Now, first and foremost, I think the easiest conclusion to make is that it's we're oversaturated. That there are so many games and so many uh, you know products out there that for a game to hold its value, it has to uh, it has to it has to have a few things. It has to be a dream theme that you don't want to let go. So there has to be some of that. Uh, but but you know but then you got like Ghostbusters dream theme. So why do we see a lot of Ghostbusters LEs trading hands? Well, the game also has to be great. If the game is great and it's based on a good theme then I think you're going to see less and less of those LEs uh, being given up for sale. And if they do sell, uh, they will hold their value pretty nicely. You know, when you look at like a Walking Dead LE that's in good condition, still selling for a good amount of money. A Tron LE, right? One of the last true LEs of Stern uh, still going for a, a nice pretty penny. Now, I think the main reason why though, over time, we're seeing the price of LEs erode pretty quickly. A few reasons. I think that there's nothing truly special about these LEs. There, I think a lot of us have woken up to the reality that so much of the LE package is just cosmetic, right? It's, it's cosmetic differences. Uh, the gameplay is exactly the same as the premium. And without any real differences in gameplay, I, I, I think you have to sort of somewhat... Uh, you, you know, be a little bit of a vanity collector uh, to want to spend that extra amount of money. And, and you know, look, the last game, the last game in which Stern actually put a gameplay difference into the limited edition game was Tron LE. And that's a big reason why, you know, Tron LEs commanded such a, a premium and, and kept their value for so long. Like it's got the Daft Punk multi-ball that only the LE has. It also had the fiber optic ramps that, you know, worked with the coding of the LE. And we didn't see that in, in the pro version of the game. And, and so, I, I, you know, I think none of these games are really limited. And, and none of them, none of them have a limited gameplay experience. And because of that, I, I do think that LEs lose price pretty quickly. Now, there's something else that's just a little dark secret in this hobby that I want to talk about. Do you know that a lot of people do get to buy their LEs from their distributors for far less than $9,000?
They're not supposed to sell it to people for less than $9,000. Stern is supposed to have a minimum on, on what the distributors can sell the game at. But I know for a fact that there are many people out there, many collectors, who get their LEs at street price, which is closer, much closer to $8,000 or $7,500 out the door. I would think it's more like $8,000. So when these guys are buying them, you might think they're buying a $9,000 pin, but they're really not. They're only spending eight grand. So when they go to sell it used for $7,700, they are not really losing that much money on it. So it, to you, the outside observer, it looks like, well, this game just took a $1,500 hit. But in reality, it might have only taken a $500 hit for what these people got the game for. Uh, I, I think it sucks that some people get a wholesale pricing. Uh, but for them to get that pricing, I think those people buy a lot of games from distributors and distributors are breaking Stern's little policy about setting, you know, the lowest you can sell the game for. Okay. Now, what else is going on? So, you know, I think I was saying too that when you when it comes to LEs, when you think about the people who buy LEs, they oftentimes run after the latest and the greatest, like the shiny new game that everyone is talking about that has all of the hype. Now, the problem in pinball is this. If you chase after that kind of excitement and you want to be, you know, the guy on the block that's got the first, like, Jurassic Park LE, you will always, always be most excited about what's next, not what you currently have. Because once you have that LE, sort of that fear of missing out, you know, that sort of, there's this weird sort of anxiety to grab an LE and get it before they're no longer available. But then you realize once you do get it and you unbox it and you play it, it's just another pinball game. And you probably will get bored of that game and you will be excited about what's next. Like we already hear people saying like, what's going to be Elvira and what's going to be Deep Root and what's going to be, you know, the next game from Chicago Gaming Company? What's going to be the third title from American Pinball? And, and I think a lot of LE guys, you know, they, they quickly realize they, the game they have is, is not hard to get. That's the other part too, is I've noticed that there are almost no LEs out there that are impossible to get for around sticker price anymore. The days of, you know, Ghostbusters being sold out immediately and Iron Maiden moving very quickly, I, I'm seeing a lot of pause and a slowing down of the inability to get these games. Like you can still go get a Jurassic Park uh, on eBay for MSRP right now. Like it's not impossible to get. And I think once these collectors realize that, it starts to slow down that that sort of need to buy it now. Um, the other thing is this, if we're to be completely honest, none of these are really LEs. Like, right, you got a limited edition machine that's the exact same machine as the premium. Uh, the whole use of the word limited edition is a little bit of marketing spin, right? Jack's making 5,000 Willy Wonka's limited. How is that limited? I mean, 5,000 alone it would make it one of the best-selling pinball machines in the last 15 years. And so yet he's making that the limited number. Uh, a little silly, right? So I think the thing is this. The only real limited edition games right now are games like The Big Lebowski, Alien, The Matrix Pinball, Predator, Wrath of Olympus. You know, those are truly limited games. Magic Girl. 
when 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 there's only a, a finite amount of those games, King Kong, you know, Kingpin, uh, Big Bang Bar, you know, when you when you when you can just say there's only 200 of these or 80 of these or 40 of these or 25 of these in the world or five matrices in the world, then you truly have something limited and special. But I think. You know, these these cosmetic limited games are, are not really, really that special, okay? But hey, it's, a, it's an interesting question. I guess, I guess I would put a bow on this topic and just say this. If you want a limited edition version of a new pinball machine, I would just wait. All of these games come up for sale that are, and they become home use only games that are taken very good care of by collectors. And you can just save yourself a lot of money and go get one for like seven thousand to seventy-five hundred dollars, and that's a much much better price to pay than nine thousand dollars. Because, and and I'm just surprised that more of these games aren't depreciating faster than they even currently do in pinball. All right, so good to always a good time to be a pinball buyer nowadays. Not the best time to be a pinball seller uh, nowadays in in the pinball world. All right, so let's move on to everyone's favorite topic. The chipping of playfields, the lifting of clear coat, the desire by this pinball podcast to get some answers from playfield manufacturers and manufacturers themselves on what will be the solution to this game. Now, since I've started doing a few podcasts around this, I've had a lot more people share photos of recent unboxings of Jurassic Park's and of Willy Wonka's in which we are seeing the issue happen across both of those games. The star posts are sinking into the clear coat. Putting washers underneath the star posts does not help. There are so many photos out there of Jurassic Parks with washers and the clear is is still pushing aside and puddling and lifting up uh, the clear coat in the game. And so we have a serious issue here. We have a serious issue that is not going to go away if we stop talking about it. We have a serious issue that a lot of other pinball podcasts and websites will be talking about and are talking about it. Like, I don't own this topic exclusively. I don't even like talking about this topic very much because if you read Pinside lately, this topic is starting to spoil and infiltrate every single thread about Jurassic Park and Willy Wonka and Pirates of the Caribbean. And so nobody wants that. Nobody wants to buy these expensive games and have these issues and have the focus be a, a, around the playfield clear coat, right? We want to buy these games. And we want to talk about how fun the layout is, like how awesome Keith Elwin's design of Jurassic Park is, how the amazing uh, animations are in Jurassic Park. We want to talk about Willy Wonka and, and and Pat Lawler's design and all the all the cool stuff that's going on in that game. And yet we're we're focused on the clear coat. And we're focused on non-enjoyable aspects of the game. and But you can't blame us, right? You can't blame people for talking about it because at the price point of these games, it is just flat out unacceptable. There, there is no other way to look at this topic other than to say this is unacceptable. And the response from the manufacturers or lack thereof is also unacceptable. And the more I think about it, offering people an opportunity to buy a spare playfield for $500 when you ship them something that's defective, that is also 100% 
unacceptable. I mean, think about that for a minute. I mean, Jersey Jack will sell people another Pirates playfield in which the problem hasn't been solved, and they're going to charge people $500 for that solve. See, that's where I have a huge issue with all of this, and that is why this issue is bigger than it seems. It might look like a little crack in a chip and some lifted artwork, but the cost to solve this problem not just moving forward, but the cost to make right all of the customers that have experienced this and been burned is so much more expensive than anyone even wants to start to figure out. And I think the solves that are going on now are pretty piss poor. They are putting Band-Aid on a bullet wound. I mean, the washers are not a solve. And yet, what do we see now? Stern throwing washers into all the Jurassic parks. Well, that's not a solve. Uh, You know, buying another play field that We'll have the same issue. That's not a solve, especially because we talk about this all the time. No one's going to do a playfield swap or knows how to do it even. So I, I think this is um, something that I know Jeff is trying to get to the bottom of. Uh, we've I've been unsuccessful in getting Mirko to give me a response on this topic. I really can't wait to hear from these two companies because, look, Stern and JJP, two of the biggest companies in pinball, this is affecting their sales. There's no way around it. And they're going to have to respond to us, the customer, with an official response. And I think, you know, we've seen this in the past where there's like an acceptable, uh, they, they sort of see some of the playfield wear as acceptable elements of pinball. And, you know, I've seen them send people clear coat touch up when when artwork is lifted. And and the debate rages on is like what's causing it? Is it is it the ink that's not adhering to the wood that's causing it to lift? I don't think it can't just be that because the clear coat is just too soft. And is the ink causing that? I don't know. But all I know is I see those posts sinking in and I see the damage and, and we need to have some sort of pause happening here until they figure this out. Now here's the other part. If you think this is like universally affecting everybody. It's not. There, there, there is a source of this issue, but look at Alice Cooper's Nightmare Castle over at Spooky Pinball. Charlie just uploaded a photo of their first prototype game that has had probably thousands and thousands of games played on it, and everything looks perfect. In, in, in terms of like the clear coat and the post. There's no puddling, there's no chipping, there's no art lifting. And so, you, you, you know, what's the, what's the deal? Why are spooky games fine and not having this issue? And, and, you, and that's why it's like, it's not just the artwork because, I mean, there is no artwork around those things. So maybe it is, has something to do with that. But what, I've, not, I've not seen any of this clear coat issue on Oktoberfest or Houdini. So American Pinball, whoever's making their play fields, I'm not seeing the problem pop up. I'm really only seeing this on Stern and Jersey Jack games. And so whatever Chuck is doing, he's doing it right. And, and I, I'm not seeing this on Chicago Gaming Company games. So there's just some, there, there is a source of this problem. And I think once we get to the source of it, uh, this problem can be solved. But until that happens, until that happens, how are you not really nervous about buying a Jersey Jack or a Stern game right now with this issue? I would wait. I would. What what harm does waiting have, right? I I just saw too that Richie Wrench, and I'm trying to get Richie on the show tonight. Richie Wrench, who buys every collector's edition of Jersey Jack games, he announced that he is 
on he he is canceling his Willy Wonka collector's edition because of this issue. And and if that's not a, a great example of the impact that this issue is having on the hobby, I don't know what is. Uh, so hopefully I can talk to Richie tonight about why he's doing that and 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 what this means, right, to all of you out there. I, I think all of you out there have to be nervous because of all the money that's on the line with this topic. All right. Okay. So let me read to you Robert Mueller's response to this. Uh, he sent me a note, and I, I I do love Robert. I mean, he's he goes right at it, and he's he doesn't hold back. And we know that Deep Root is about to show us what they've got in November. Now here's Robert's statement. I'm going to read it word for word to you right now. And I asked him. I'm like Robert. You know what? What's your what's your what's your point of view, or how do you feel about all these playfield issues? Uh, because I do think this is a golden opportunity for Deep Root Pinball if they have manufactured their games to not have these issues. Whoever can can say, "Hey, you're never going to experience this with my company," is going to have a leg up in the pinball buying. Uh, sorry, in pinball marketplace moving forward this year. Okay, so here's what Robert says. He says. In my personal opinion, as a purchaser of pinball machines and what I've personally experienced as the principal of a pinball company, uh, craters, pits, dimples, ghosting, puddles, cracking, or other similar flaws by a standard weight pinball or attached hardware to the surface of a playfield, whether in the course of play or not, is a known and preventable material defect in the engineering and manufacturing process. We know historically that these flaws were rare. I have 20 to 30 year old machines that have little to no visible signs of playfield damage after thousands of plays. We also know that over time there can be some degradation of the protective coatings that should not be present on newly manufactured machines. While variations and tolerances inherent in the manufacturing process are expected, they should be rare and nominal. Thus, it is expected that a very small percentage of playfields would statistically exhibit some or all of these flaws. However, every manufacturer that I have purchased a game from since 2015 and every modern game I have played on location also almost uniformly exhibits some of these flaws. Since Stern, JJP, and Spooky have all benefited from thousands of dollars of my personal money in return for poorly designed playfield surfaces, it is my personal opinion that these companies either intentionally or negligently refused or failed to adequately engineer and manufacture playfield surfaces and coatings to prevent and statistically minimize these known and preventable conditions. I personally reject any statement from any other pinball company to the contrary. I will hold myself and my pinball company to the very same standard I expect from these other companies, Robert J. Mueller, principal, deep root family of companies. Well, wow. So there you go. Robert is basically saying, that you know, there's there's a chance that this these flaws can happen in a few games, but it should not be universal. And he spent a lot of money on these companies, and he holds his company to a higher standard than what he's seeing on these games. 
Again, more raising of the expectations and the bar for what we expect to see from Deep Root. Uh, but you know, I'd rather have a guy tell me that I'm not going to experience that with his games, and he thinks this is unacceptable. Because you know what? You know what I haven't heard. I haven't heard anyone from Stern or Jersey Jack come out and tell us that this is unacceptable. I haven't. I mean, Spooky showed us that they had some issues with TNA, but they fixed those issues, and we're not seeing those issues on Alice Cooper. The thing that I just can't shake, and this is just me, I can't shake. I mean, I wake up at night and I'm shaking, no, but I just, I really can't shake this one thing. How could Jersey Jack, after seeing this issue with Pirates of the Caribbean, how could they not fix the problem before they started ordering? Willy Wonka playfields. I don't understand that. Like they knew firsthand they had a serious issue and they just didn't do anything. They didn't solve the problem. They continued to place an order with a manufacturer of playfields and we're seeing the same exact issue on the Willy Wonka machines. And when I see something like that, it's hard not to feel like somebody is asleep at the wheel over there. Somebody needs to be accountable for that kind of decision. And I'm worried. I'm worried that the investors over at Jersey Jack one day are just going to wake up and be like, screw this. Like, we're done. Like, it's going to cost us how much to fix this problem now? But this is the issue. When you don't solve the problem that you know is going to be a huge issue for you, you can't cut corners here. You can't try and pass off the defect onto the customer. They're paying too much for these premium pinball games. And I just feel like Jersey Jack took one step forward and now is going to have to take two steps back with with the solutions for this thing. It's going to end up costing them way more in the long run to fix all these problematic games than it would have been to just delay Willy Wonka until this problem was solved. And I, I know all of us wanted Jersey Jack to move faster into production, but if this is what the outcome is in which they're not going to fix an issue that they know about just to keep the assembly line running, then I think we're in for a big, big problem with, with, with this company. I think Stern will be able to nip this in the butt more. I think Stern's going to realize like, well, look, we know that these are, I think these are coming from Mirko. I really do. I think Mirko is the source of this issue. And I, and I think they're doing like the water-based clears and it's just not working right. And whatever process they're doing is not working very well. I, I, I think Stern is going to cancel ordering Playfields if they get any made from Mirko. And they're going to have to figure out a new solution. Uh, but Jersey Jack, it seems to be affecting them more because I think all of their Playfields are coming from, from Mirko right now. All right. Well, look, this topic's going to rage on and on and on, and you're going to hear more and more more about this. And I can't wait to hear what George Gomez says, what Zach Sharp says, what Jersey Jack says. And look, for, for you guys wanting an answer, just know that Jack is on vacation right now. It is August. Give them some time. That's the other part. I mean, we're I'm reaching out. Sorry, I got a little something in my throat. I'm reaching out for these guys to give us a response, they're going to have to respond. You, you understand that. Like, they're not going to be able to, to brush this under the carpet and just sort of go one by one with, with affected machines because there's too many machines affected. And if we get enough voices saying, hey, like, I'm going to cancel my order, 
Uh, they're going to start hearing from distributors. Hey, you need to say something, or or customers are going to like start to like, you know, evaporate unless you communicate something. And and I'll say this: this is what part of my job is for a living. In the world of public relations, issues and crisis are is a huge part of what my company does. And I think these pinball companies are pretty ill-equipped when it comes to communicating uh, through a crisis. They all sort of seem to go like radio silent and just make you wonder like what's, you know, what, what, what do I do? Like you feel helpless because the company sort of like just cuts you loose and, and, and tells you nothing. Now, speaking of a company that tells you nothing and cuts you loose, Dutch Pinball, a company famous for going months, if not years, with very little communication to its customer base. Uh, I, I'm seeing some of the big Lebowskis being unboxed. Uh, interesting to follow these threads. There's, I mean, there's like not many games, right? I think only 20 or so so far have have, have been delivered. Not even that many. So you're gonna see just a handful of people uh, have the game. You know, you're not gonna see the the normal number of unboxings. But uh, I, I do see people are having some issues with the games, and and that is just always gonna be the journey of owning this game with like very little support. I also saw some of the photos of the parts of the Big Lebowski. But let me do this first. Let me read you Dutch Pinball's August update and and then give you my take on this whole thing because I think if there's one thing Dutch Pinball does very well, the best thing this company's ever been able to manufacture over the years, they've been able to manufacture hope. And they always find new ways to keep hope alive for these early achievers. And here we go once again, more of their, you know, selling you on like the optimistic future they see for this company. And and I think people are are beyond beyond being patient with these guys. And I, I I find there to be very little hope in this thing ever materializing. But here we go. It says news: Dutch Pinball August update restarting business and extended Universal Pictures license. In the last update. I informed you on the settlement I've reached with our former manufacturer. And two weeks ago, we managed to complete the settlement. This means that the lawsuit is off the table and all games and parts that are in their warehouse are now ours and also fully paid for. With this first round of financing, we are now ready to getting things set up again to build games. I'm very happy with the trust of Cointaker and some of my very close friends and family who made this possible. All right, let me stop there because I want to deconstruct this like paragraph by paragraph. So they're fully paid now for those 40 games and for all of those parts, which later on he will go on to say how many games they can make with those parts, which is really interesting. Just remember that fact that they collected half a million dollars uh, from Cointaker to buy those 40 games if you do the math. So that's interesting that that didn't just buy those 40 games, it also bought all of the parts. Now, he goes on to say, due to the holiday of three weeks at ARA, we had limited access to their warehouse, but fortunately, we managed to get the games out and some parts we needed to finish them. That's interesting right there. I'll stop there. Part, they weren't all finished. I'll go on. Last week, the first games were shipped. The rest of the games are now ready as well and will be shipped this week. I know it's a bittersweet moment, but it's also the start of a new beginning. We can truly focus on the future. 
All right, let me stop there. A new, another, another new beginning. How many new beginnings will this company have? It, 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 always, it always ceases to amaze me that Dutch Pinball is now what? On like the fifth or sixth or seventh attempt at a new beginning with this company. And, 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 and all right, we're gonna, I'm going to keep reading this and then I'm going to give you my, I just, I can't, I can't. This language is just, it's unbelievable. He goes on to say, on Monday next week, the holiday will be over. And then we can start with the transport of all the parts. We are already checking the list of parts and taking stock of how many parts we have to build games. Some parts are there, get ready for this, for 200 plus games. But some parts were bought lean. And this means that we also have to order new parts as we progress. Okay, so let me stop there. So they have some parts for 200 games, but other parts they don't and they have to order. Now, I know this from talking to different manufacturers. Ordering parts for a pinball machine, especially uh, a specific part that's tailored to that game, usually takes four to six months right, to get those parts manufactured and in and ready to put on a line to manufacture. Four to six months. So at the earliest you're looking at sometime in like 2020, like Q1 2020, in which those parts uh, would be available. Now, the other question, if you haven't asked this, where does the money come from to order those parts? We don't, you know, we don't know 200 of what, like Barry could be sitting on 200 screws and posts and that's all that he has 200 of those for games, but does he have 200 bowling alleys? Does he have 200 rug mechanisms? Does he have 200 you know, he doesn't have any cabinets, no cabinets. All right. And those are, as Ben Heck said, very expensive. A cabinet a thousand dollars often to make a cabinet. So he, it, it, it sounds good. But when you start to read between the lines of these statements, it sounds really like you're still in the same, you know, uh, you know, the house is still on fire. The dumpster's still burning. You know, the, the, the solution's not there. Like, it, it, it's always like this spin. But let me go on to read more. He says, in the next weeks, we will be busy preparing everything for production, arranging our production facility, counting parts, putting all the parts in our inventory system, checking the assembly instructions, sorting out the tools needed, etc. We will start small and we will expand over time to build more games. We have a couple of locations in mind where we want to restart our business. We will have to decide which location is best, and we hope to get this figured out this or next week. All right, so once the whole company's got to start up again. We've, you know, this sounds very eerily familiar to Andrew Highway, doesn't it? It was always about finding a new location getting all the parts we need, getting the assembly line up and running again. It's 2019, people. Dutch Pinball first showed you the Big Lebowski in 2014, five years later, and we are getting communication that they need to restart the company again. Now, again, where you, you people are forgetting one thing. These gentlemen collected like $2 million dollars. Like what's 200 times $8,500? Where's all that money? Barry, where did the money go? Why have we stopped asking this question? Where did the money go? 
where did it go? Did did ARA like burn through a million plus bucks that was unforeseen? Or did they spend the money? Did they give themselves salaries? Where is the money going to come from to, to restart this company to find who's going to, okay, here's a quick, good question. Who's going to pay the rent on this new facility location in which they're going to make these games? Who's going to pay to hire new workers? Who's going to pay to order those parts? Who's going to pay the salaries to train these people? Where does all that money come from? For it to happen, he's either going to need to get outside investor dollars or he's going to have to pre-order these machines. Are you really? And these here's the crazy part. These machines have already been sold. They've all already been sold. All 200 early Achiever editions were already paid for in full. And so you're going to have to go in and buy, again, someone else's. You're going to have to buy someone else's machine that hasn't even been assembled yet. And it's going to be sold again twice. Think about that. It's going to be sold twice. This is insanity, people. Insanity. This does not sound like new beginnings. It sounds like a bunch of hogwash. Okay, he goes on to say, another thing I want to inform you about is something I get a lot of questions about, the license from Universal Pictures. I'm happy to report that we have extended the license. For now, it is extended until December 31st, 2020. All right, another... Wait, I don't think extending the license is hard. I don't think Universal cares or has taken much interest. Um, I, I, I think it's kind of insane that their property has been dragged down with this company and that they would extend them the license. But all they care about is the money. At this point, it, it's probably just a, a simple financial tra- transaction. And I bet some of the these people who bought the Coin Taker games, that money went to extending that license. All right. He then says, I will keep you informed how things are progressing uh, the coming weeks. If you have any questions, please let me know. You can always email or call me. Kind regards, Barry. P.S. Here are some photos of the parts in storage. It's going to take a while to sort this out. And my God, when you look at this photo of just like boxes upon boxes upon boxes, you, you've got, you know, some, you got a, uh, these wooden cr- crates with, it says, one, one says bowling alley. And it's just all the bowling alley mechs like thrown in it. There's, it looks like there's a couple cabinets. Then there's a huge stack of Big Lebowski cardboard boxes that uh, looks like there's over like a couple hundred of them there. It's going to take a while to sort this thing out. Ain't that the truth? Ain't that the truth? So here we are, 2019 in August. And remember, remember how many years ago was it? It was exactly three years ago in August when they started lying about the board issues. Three years ago. And here we are restarting this company again. I, I don't know what else to tell you people other than I, 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 I just I don't think it's ever going to happen. I don't think it's going to work out. The math doesn't work out. It's common sense. They need Ponzi scheme economics to bail this company out. They don't deserve another shot at this. They should declare bankruptcy and let somebody else build the game. Give up the dream, Barry. It's over. You don't get four to five chances to make a company work. You've had your shot. You burned through everyone's money. You spent everyone's money. He keeps saying, email me questions. Okay, Barry, one question. Where did the money go? Where did the money go? You collected almost $2 million of people's money and barely got 
only like 37 people got the game they paid for. You then resold other people's games to new buyers. Where did the money go, Lebowski? Why doesn't he answer us that question? And and that is the thing that this karma is going to come back to bite them. It is not going to work out. And I, I, I think anyone who pre-orders a Lebowski, here's what they're going to try to do. Here's what they're going to try to do. I think they're going to try to do like small batch runs of these games where like he's going to try to build like 10 at a time, like sell 10 for 12500 He's probably going to even have to raise the price uh, to make it work, but it's just never going to work out because even after he generates all, all, all the money he's going to get in terms of profit off of these new games he builds is going to have to go to this new startup cost. None of that money is going to be put into a pool to make the original EA's whole. Like it's just never going to work out. So ultimately what will happen if he does start to make new games is just new buyers will get games and the EAs will still forever be screwed by this company. And and that is why I think they should just let someone else have a crack at it and give it up. I'd rather, the the better news would have been, we've folded, ARA is going to finish 200 games and, you know, whatever, and sell them for $15,000, but the EAs get a discount because they already paid half of that. I don't know. I don't know what the solve is, but it's just never going to end well. All right. What else is going on in pinball, people? Oh, man. Go watch Greg Bone's video. It's so so positive. It's so happy. Um, I'm trying to think what else is going on that I want to talk about. Let me Let me read... A couple of your emails, then I'll call it a day here. All right, let's see. Let's pull it up. Canada's Pinball Podcast at gmail.com. It is how you get in touch with me. I will read your feedback on the air. I got an email from Garrison Tarno, and it, it, the title was Clear Coats. And he says, I really enjoy your podcast. When we, met, when we meet, I will take you and your wife to dinner. I'm a licensed painting contractor in California, 40 plus years. A quick summary of what might be happening to the clear coats. California has the strictest environmental codes in the US. You can make better paint and clear coats in any other state. All the oil-based solvents will be illegal to use in the United States soon. This has happened in California years ago. All paint has to have zero vox and is environmentally friendly. You cannot buy oil-based clear coats in California. You cannot import clear coats from Arizona to California. The vox low is much higher in Arizona. If you get caught moving paint from Arizona to California, it is a big fine. I wonder what state the playfields are being made. I would want a playfield clear coated in Montana um, more than New Jersey. I'm sure Montana has less restrictions on paint manufacturing. None of these materials work at good work as good as they did five to ten years ago because of the EPA. It's a real problem for the painting contractor. Oil solvent based clear coats dry from the surface in. The surface gets hard immediately, then it cures in. Water based clear coats are dry to the touch but they can cure from the inside out. If I spray kitchen cabinets with water-based enamel, I must explain to the owner the cabinets are dry to the touch, but it will take them 30 to 60 days to really get hard. Yes, you could put your fingernail into the paint for weeks. If this is the case, playfields will have to be clear-coated in a state or country that allows good 
old solvent-based clear coats that last. Keep up the good work. Well, Garrison, thank you so much. I, I think we learned a lot um, from this email. And because he's been doing this for 40 plus years, I think he knows what he's talking about. And it, and it sort of speaks to what a lot of people are saying is these things are not allowed enough time to cure. Do you think these manufacturers ordered these play fields 60 days ago and let them cured long enough? I don't think so. I don't think so. Uh, and then Garrison wrote me another one, timeline on water-based paint. He said, after sending you the EM last night, I remembered my quest to find out what was going on with the paints about seven to eight years ago. He says, the EPA has mandated strict regulations on all paint pesticides. Eight years ago, oil-based paints began to fail. Adhesion, bubbles, lifting, no gloss, etc. I called my paint representative. He said, water-based paint is fine. You can still use solvent-based paint. Solvent-based paint became impossible to use. It was very expensive and did not work. It became such a problem, I went to the paint manufacturing plant and got a hold of the head chemist. He told me, that's the way it is. We have to make paint to EPA standards. Water-based paints have come a long way on quality and adhesion, but it will never be as good as solvent-based paint. I found out my paint manufacturer did not have to inform me he was changing the chemistry of the paint. The paint manufacturer just had to obey the law. The paint manufacturer was scared to tell their customers things have changed forever. Of course, I was livid. In California, the paint lasts half as long as, and the colors fade fast. The state of California and the United States picked on the paint manufacturers because we are a small group. The EPA needs to say that they are cleaning up the air. If they stopped all the trucks from putting exhaust in the air, we would all breathe better. But the truckers would strike. To say the least, a big part of my job is keeping up with the changes in paints and coatings. I am sure clear coat manufacturers are scrambling to find alternative products that work. Again, the most populated states, California, New York, New Jersey, etc., have the strictest EPA restrictions. Okay. So that's really interesting. So maybe even though these playfields are made in uh, in Germany, I think Mirko's in Germany. They're in Europe somewhere. But that, but but what he's saying is, if the state has high re restrictions on what you can, you know, what you can sell uh, or import, then it doesn't matter where they're made because you can't bring them into New Jersey because you'll you'll have a huge fine on your hands. Really interesting stuff. I wonder if all of this is accurate and what they will tell us. They're going to have to tell us something. All right. Got an email from Philip. Philip says, Hey, Chris, listening to your podcast since day one, I enjoy every episode. The P3 rant a few episodes ago was a bit unfair, I thought. Not that you're wrong, but you were kind of pointing out the obvious and I didn't really care about it. Concerning the Big Lebowski, I believe that whoever buys these things has the right to do whatever he wants with it. And I mean morally as well. If you buy one, you are also risking losing money. So why shouldn't you have the right to make money? Same with all the games. But you said you have something special planned for it. And when in Japan, go visit one of the Imperial Villas in Kyoto. We went to see the something Shagukin Villa. Totally worth it. Beautiful place. Oh, and keep the pirates. Phil. Well, Phil, thank you so much. Um, look, I've said it 
I'll say it again. I don't know what I'm doing with the Big Lebowski. I'm not flipping it for a profit. It's not for sale right now. It is simply sitting in a box. It has arrived. I'll be honest with you. It has arrived. Um, It's not at my apartment. It's being held in storage, uh, but I do have it. So I think I got one of the first shipments of the game. Okay, but I, I just I don't know what I'm doing with the game. And you will know when I figure that out. All right. Mark Felt said, take two washers and call me in the morning. Mark, he said, the contrast today of Greg Bone unboxing his Jurassic Park as a giddy as a schoolgirl against your mad tinfoil hat ramblings about clear coat problems was amazing. Stern already fixed the problem. Have a few washers, put them on the playfield under the post and shove them up your butt. Wow, Mark, first of all, that doesn't fix the problem. He then says, they don't care, just keep buying. The dirty truth is that the problem is almost non-existent with Stern Playfields, but Jersey Jack Playfields are a different story. Think about the sample size. Stern ships 50 a day. Jersey Jack can't get that out in a week. Here is a clue to why. How close is Illinois to the ocean? How close is New Jersey to the ocean? You know what really screws up hard coat being able to dry properly? Humidity. Now you know. All right. Well, Mark, that would be true if we were saying that Jersey Jack is in a higher humidity environment than Stern Pinball. Then why are all those Jurassic Park clear coats exhibiting the same issues, Mark? Your point doesn't hold water. No pun intended with these water-based clear coats. All right. And look, I'm happy Greg was excited, but a lot of people are going to be unboxing these games and not be excited if their play fields start to chip. Carl Lutz says playfield dimples. Hey, Chris, do you know who doesn't have any playfield issues? Multimorphic. Just saying. Carl. Yeah, you're right, Carl. You're totally right. Now is the time in which Jerry should be beating the drum of multimorphics. Do not exhibit any of these playfield issues. So come by right now uh, and order your P3 multimorphic revolutionary modular pinball platform systems featuring Lexi Lightspeed. You know, it's like. I, you know, look, I mean, if if Jerry doesn't see an uptick in sales now after, you know, his game doesn't have any of these issues, I don't know. I don't know. This is a golden opportunity for anyone who has a different platform that doesn't ex- experience these issues to hit the marketing drum as loud as they can. All right. Jeremy Herman he says, Chris, long time listener, first time caller. He says, your last few episodes... All right, I, th- I already read this. He said he, he found them too negative. All right, I think that's it. I'm going to end this podcast now. Uh, you're going to get a little bit more of that you know, exclusive Guns N' Roses track called Hard School. I love it. It's awesome. I actually have like the, like the studio demo that I'm playing for you guys right now. Um, but look, just to, just to put a little bow on this episode, this is a very interesting time in the hobby. I haven't really experienced an issue like this that um, is is starting to erode away people's enjoyment of the games. I do think that we're going to get past this. I, I think that the manufacturers will find out what the issue is and they will solve this issue. They, they, they can't allow this to continue. Um, I also just think it's good. I think part of me feels like this is a little bit of a destiny for many of you out there because I think this has forced many of you out there to say, wait a minute, what am I doing? I'm spending a lot of money. Is the quality there in these games? And I, I, I didn't want it to be something like this that is a clear quality issue. Uh, but I think this has a lot of you sort of second guessing or just taking time to think twice 
about how much you're spending on these machines and is the quality there and is the customer support going to be there for you if you encounter a problem like this. So I think it's a good thing that many people out there are saying, you know what, I just sort of canceled my order. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wait to see how this plays out. I think the smart person does that because I don't think there's any game out there. As we said at the beginning of this podcast, there's no game out there that will be hard to get if you just give up your Wonka Collector's Edition or your Jurassic Park LE or your Jurassic Park Premium. Any game that you are thinking of buying right now, if you just say, well, you know what, I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait to see if they figure this issue out and I'm not going to buy another new inbox game until it's figured out. Let me tell you, with 100% certainty, you will be able to get that game. And if, if, if that game was made during this period of crappy play fields, you're not going to want to own it, right? You're not going to want to buy a game that has a known defect. And then the games made during this period are going to be very undesirable to, to buyers and collectors and to resellers. No, everyone's going to ask, like, let me see the post. And if those posts have chips in it, no one's going to want it. That's just, I wouldn't want it. Would you want it? Would you want to buy a car? with a piece of paint missing from the, you, you, you would not be able to get over looking at it if you're a collector and that matters to you. Now, I know there's a whole army of tournament players that could give two craps about this whole thing and they know who they are and they never buy new inbox games and they'll be sarcastic on Pinside and they'll make fun of people who are OCD about this type of thing. But I think those people have no stake in the game. They don't know what it's like to work really hard and spend $9,000 on a product to open it up and have it be falling apart right before your eyes before you've even flipped a single ball. So this is this is a topic that I think for those of you out there who work really hard for your money, you should get what you pay for. And I think this period of pausing and waiting to the solve occurs and waiting to these companies talk to us and tell us what they're gonna do to fix it and assure us Assure us within a binding warranty contract that they are going to stand behind these games and they are not going to force us to buy replacement play fields for $500. That's not good enough. They're not just going to stick cheap washers uh, under the post and, and then still has an issue. That's not good enough. And silence, silence is the worst thing right now. And they're giving you nothing but silence. But you know who's not going to be silent about it? Canada's Pinball Podcast, everybody. Have a great day, and we'll talk to you soon. I've been walking these